Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Seth, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. I'm excited to talk about hope after judgment. Yes. Hope. We, yeah, hope after judgment. Yeah. We got to get through a lot of judgment first to get, gotta to get the hope. through a little bit, a little bit of judgment. <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit <laughs> of judgment. Just a little yeah. bit of judgment. Yeah. yeah, Micah doesn't pull any punches. No. So we, we introduced Micah last week. That's right. And now we're going to address... Um, in three episodes, the three different parts of Micah. Yeah, the book of Micah is probably best understood as split up into three different court cases mm-hmm. that Micah, on behalf of God or as God, representing God, brings Israel to the mat in, or to the defendant's box mm. in three different court cases. Yeah. And he calls a different witness or other defendants to the box, to the courtroom okay. in each court case. So Micah 1 opens up with a court case against Israel, but he invites all the other nations to join in the defendant's box with Israel. Mm. Which is so the, Israel, like in in them being judged, they're kind of representative of the nations and how they will be judged in the future? Yeah, if God is not sparing his judgment <laughs> against his own covenant people, yeah. won't this judgment apply mm. to all nations? And anyway, that's how the court case ends. At the very end of Micah 2, you have... God breaking through the city of Jerusalem and scattering the Assyrian forces that were like gathered around Jerusalem as well. So you okay. have judgment with baked into the prophecy as well against the nations. Okay. So then before we jump into this first court case, uh, help us get back into Micah if you can. Yeah. What is like, what was Micah all about? In like kind of recap what we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, Micah was a prophet who was in Israel during the last years of it before exile. Okay. He was during the reign of King ah- Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. Hezekiah is the man you probably know out of those three men, those the three most, kings. Yeah. He's like he's a king who was sick and then prayed and then God gave him fifteen years more of life. That Hezekiah. Yeah. Micah, a pretty wealthy period of Israel. Super, yep. super wealthy. We'll talk about that a little bit this okay. week uh, or today. Um, and basically, the prophecies that we read in Micah are a collection of oracles that Micah had stitched together to make one probably main point, mm. which is who is like God. Isn't that? It's Micah's name. That's right? Micah's okay, name. Yeah, 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 I thought I remember that. Okay, Micah's yeah. name means who is like God. And at the very end of the book, mm. he asks us the question: Who is like the Lord, who brings hope and ju- who brings justice against his? God's enemies, but mm-hmm. also brings hope. And I can just read it to you, right. too. Because that's the point, right? That's like, who's like God that after all of these court cases mm-hmm. where I've found you guilty, I've called the defendants, I've given the evidence, I've found you completely guilty beyond belief, and then I forgive you, yeah. and I send a shepherd king. Who is God like you? Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. Yeah, it's crazy. So it goes back to hope after judgment. There is a period of justice coming for the injustice of Israel, but after that Mm. justice, there is hope of restoration. Which I guess a point there is it's not hope instead of justice. It's hope after justice. Right. Justice. I mean, I think, he, you know, Micah. We went all in on that all the that's interaction. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, Micah, like, weeps at the end, or, or some representative weeper weeps at the mm-hmm. end. And he's like, I will get knocked down. I will fall, but I will rise back up. Yeah. Is it, okay. Hope after justice. 
I got that. Yep. Okay. But in like in order for that hope to land the way Micah, who is like our God, <laughs> wants it to land, we have to work through the judgment portions yeah. and let those hit. Yes. Okay. And but throughout the judgment portion, uh-huh. he'll hint at a coming restoration mm. behind the judgment. Okay. And like there's little hints of it throughout that's along fun. the way. So okay. that's so what we'll see today. Who's involved in the first court case in Micah one? So he calls all the nations to watch this court case, right? So okay. pay attention, O earth and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you. So against all the nations of the earth, big, not just big, Israel. Big courtroom. Big courtroom. <laughs> but Israel is the main uh person on trial. Okay. Uh but the idea again is what happens to Israel will happen to the world. Yeah. And then, so the courtroom is set. All the people are sitting down in the benches and behind the tables and in the jury box mm-hmm. and everything. And then you know that part where the bailiff comes out and says, All rise! All rise! And like from some hidden door behind a stand. It's always a hidden door. Yeah, it's like it opens up and here's a guy in a black robe and he comes and sits the down. Honorable Judge the Judy. Honorable Judge <laughs> Judy sits down. I watched a lot of Judge Judy Do you as a really? kid. Not now. Oh, oh, okay. But as, as a kid, kid I, I watched a lot of Judge Judy. <laughs> and amazing. I don't think... I guess that was a common experience for people, but I don't. I I did not watch. A lot I of watched Judge Judy a lot. growing up. <laughs> All rise, the Honorable Judge Judy. Residing. Well, there you go. So that's so that's that, the moment. That, this is the moment. That's the moment. So verse three is the All Rise. The judge is about to enter the chamber thing, but it's not quite the same as Judge Judy. <laughs> not, <laughs> I don't no. think it's daytime television yeah, appropriate. He will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth, and the mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters pour down a steep place. So this is God coming into the courtroom, and it's yeah. terrifying. It is. It's actually very similar to the opening of the book of Nahum. Okay. It's very similar to the ending of the book of Habakkuk. Uh, so like the prophets pick up on this idea of a big revelation of God coming to bring justice mm-hmm. to bear in an, on an unjust time or place. But I think more significantly, it should take you back to Mount Sinai. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is where God appeared like this and fire was mm-hmm. brimming like a yeah. volcano on top of Mount Sinai. And what happened at Mount Sinai? I mean, it was a it was a it was a law a law proceeding in a different way. It was the giving of the law yep. instead of a judgment according to the law. Yep. And also, as the law was being given, a nation was created. Right. So when God showed up the first time like this, a nation was born. Right. The covenant was made, and the people of God were formed. And this, now it's being unmade by that same covenant. By that same covenant, and yeah. I, I also think it should make you think of creation as mm. well. When God appears in creation, like a bright light, mountains spring up out of the waters yeah. and valleys form and are split and, na- and like sky and sea and earth are separated from one another. Like mm. throughout, cre- throughout the Bible, when God's presence shows up, when the judge of the earth shows up, the earth itself like transforms, like yeah. things are created, whether that's the actual land or nations mm. or things are destroyed. Yeah. Like the nation of Israel being destroyed right okay. now. Okay, so this is like an uncreation, a an an anti Genesis one and two. Yes. Okay. The nation God of is, Israel is being unmade. God is showing up mm-hmm. to decreate. That's right. Okay. Uh, before we press on, I think it's probably important um, to not assume a wide understanding of covenant lawsuits and oh, yeah. how a law <laughs> forms a people and all that kind of stuff from yeah. from from Sinai. So. Um, let, let's walk through that a, okay. a little bit here. So, so God calls Israel out of Egypt, saves them, liberates s- them from slavery, liberates them as fu- uh, in fulfillment of the promise that He made to Abraham. That's right. And He says, "You're going to be My people, and as My people, whom I have liberated, you will be a blessing to all nations." Yep. And that blessing to all nations is predicated on your following this law. Right. So here's how you will be a blessing to all nations. Here's yes. what my people in my kingdom look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all kingdoms have laws. Yep. Speed limits and taxes and moral codes of conduct and all things like that, right? And God gives that all right. to Israel. Z- zoning zoning, zoning orders, which Make is sure. very important for Micah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's all really interesting. And so it's like, you know, and like, because a people... I don't know. This is probably not a true statement. I want to say, a pe- are people without a law a people? Well, I mean, think about the Declaration of Independence. Oh, right. Like, like we, we lived here, and yeah, like, it, they say America started in 1776. Right, and like that's 
defining of the soul of a nation right right like the declaration yeah. that's what it means to be an american right. right we constituted ourselves into existence yeah the constitution is yeah a big deal yeah that's good and so the, yeah the the to, to to go against the founding documents the 10 the 10 right. the 10 words the tablets or the yeah. extended law is to undo what you were made for right to like to yes. uncreate yourselves but also to go against the god of the universe right. and that was the stipulation that's not just an implicit thing that happens when a king gives a law like that don't you understand you're now a people and don't this break the founding do. document i mean yeah. that's true it's just kind of how we operate as humans but it's also like inside explicitly the covenant itself that if you keep the law You'll keep the land, and I'll be your god, and live with you, and right. things will go great. If you break the law, I will exile you, and you won't keep the land, and yeah. I'll be against you. And so now we're seeing the pipers about to be paid. Mm -hmm. uh, the like Israel for will. almost five hundred years, God has been putting up with His yeah. people breaking this covenant, and now yeah. He's like, okay, I've been patient a long time. And significantly, Israel agreed to all those terms. They did. God yes. said, "If you okay, do, the, do these laws seem fair to you?" Does and all the seem, people said, yes. "Amen." <laughs> And do you agree that if you break these laws, other nations will come in and dispossess you of this land and you'll be scattered among the nations? And, and they, they said, said, yes, we agree to these terms. Right. And they haven't done yeah. it. It wasn't quite like the little terms of agreement that we all scroll through and then just click the box on our computers yeah. and then hit accept. It was a very... It's like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to yeah. say it out loud. Now, it's here's what it is. It's like on the plane when you sit on an exit row. And they, like, yeah, and they yeah, come yeah. to you, I need a verbal yes from you yes. if you're willing and able to help me in the case of an emergency. And you nod and like, no, no, no. no I need you, you, you to, have to, you need to say, yes. say yes to me. Okay, yes. yes. And then, then every time I do that, I'm like, okay, am, I really? am I really ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> like, if this thing goes down, am I ready to yank open that door? And then if you don't help, you're thrown off the plane. That's right. <laughs> in midair. <laughs> broken the covenant. You've broken the covenant, David. You agreed to this. <laughs> okay, so I feel like that's helpful to yeah. be like, that's what's happening. God, uh, God and his people had a covenant. They've broken that covenant. And now God is saying, because you've broken that covenant, I'm going to have a lawsuit against you. And here's going to be the punishment for breaking it. Yeah, and here's yeah here's my here's the evidence that you had oh, done right. so. The first part of a, of, yeah. a, of a lawsuit is the evidence being brought and the charges. And so the charge is... So what is the transgression of Jacob? Uh-huh. Is it not Samaria? Mm. And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? That seems cryptic. So it's a it, it seems a little cryptic, but uh and it is kind of. Yeah. But especially to us. But what he's saying is the the um the sin of Israel mm -hmm. is wrapped up in its capital city, Samaria, and the sin of Judah is seen most clearly in its capital city, Jerusalem. Mm. So these two Capital cities have become like the dens of sin for the nation, and the problems within the capital are representative of everything else that's happening. Uh, does that make sense? It does. That's not what I thought it meant. And there's there's more. <laughs> okay. Uh, so like so that's what's that's on like a broadest level. Okay. But like yeah. Samaria was also where the two golden calves were set right. up. Yeah. And that's there what was I was an idolatry where idolatry was central. It's yeah. where like the idolatry flowed from Samaria to the rest of Israel. Right. So it's like what's the sin of Jacob or what's the sin of Israel? It's idolatry. Yes. And then the high place of Judah. The high places are often what are uh, the prophets referred to as the places of false worship. Yeah, they would be the temples. If yeah. you go to most. Other countries, yeah. all the little hillsides will have temples on them right. because and, that's where and, the gods and, meet. And God's temple was on a hilltop. Mm -hmm. But what he seems to be saying is, what's your sin? Idolatry. And where do you worship those idols? In my temple in Jerusalem. That, is that what he's saying? He is saying that. That is so intense. And I think even that is true, but it's also Jerusalem itself has become an idol. The nation itself has become right. An idol. I mean, I mean, in all of their wealth and their security and their walls and their borders, they feel secure and self-sufficient. Right. Okay. Um, the other prophets, Micah, will multiple times criticize Israel for their reliance on other nations, yes, to prop up their own nationhood, mm -hmm. or their reliance on military power to remain in power themselves. Right. So there is a I mean, sense. Yeah. This story. I mean, the story of. Hezekiah is like a perfect example. Yeah, and we'll yeah. get to we'll get yeah. to that. So like it's not just that idolatry was happening within Jerusalem, and it was. Jerusalem was supposed to be the high place for God, the high mountain where God would dwell and be with yeah. his people. And they put other idols in it. Uh the kings before Hezekiah would actually place copies of other 
the Assyrian gods and place them inside Jerusalem. Oh they did gosh. this. It's yeah. not a good thing. That's bad. <laughs> but also, I think Israel itself has become an idol. Like the preservation of Israel alone mm. has become more important than following God's law. I understand. Is that right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. The nation itself, rather than the God who founded it, has become their priority. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, yeah, kind of like a, a national pride over a theological pride. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, okay. So that's going on in the background too. Okay. So that's the that's the opening salvo, the evidence. Yep. Your nation, your capitals become centers of idolatry and and uh, idolatrous nationalism. Okay. So that's the that's the charge mm-hmm. against against uh, Israel that the the all-powerful presiding God judge has brought against them. Uh, So what's the sentence then? Therefore, (laughs) I will make Samaria a heap in the open country, and all her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. And that happened when uh, Shalamansar in um, uh, 2 Kings 17 comes in and destroys Samaria. I'm pretty sure Shalamansar is a Pokemon. Doesn't it sound like? <laughs> I'm sorry. I would try to actually think of like there is a Pokemon, something like that, uh, but I forget the name. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Shalamansar. Very sober. Shalamansar used ember and burned down all the <laughs> police flamethrower. I'm sorry, burned down everyone. all the idols. That was my fault. Um, but yes, so that actually happened. Very it's sad rec- moment. It's actually. recorded in scripture. Second uh, Kings 17, Second yep. Kings 18 makes reference to it as okay. well. Um, it actually happened. All her wages shall be burned with fire, and all her idols will lay waste. This goes back to your idea. What's the central sin of Samaria? It's mm. it's idolatry, right? And it's all going to be burned to the ground. Okay, so like in in their judgment, not only is God judging the people, He's also showing that He is actually the true God over the idols. Yes, like He's and judging it, them too. It's interesting that He never mentions the people. Oh, He, he talks about the land and the idols and, and the idols because mm. one of the hopes throughout. Is a remnant. Is a remnant. A people within the land that will have been, have remained faithful and will constitute new people of God on the other side. Seth. Yes. Is this one of your hints? Is this one of my hints? Is this one of your... It it, could be one of my hints. Is this one of your your hope hints? This is one of my hope hints. This has been Seth's hope hints. (laughs) (laughs) In the book of Micah. In the book of Micah. Uh, Okay. That's cool. Um, Yeah. And then there's... Yeah. And then... I just love this little line. It's a really fun line. (laughs) Is it it fun? (laughs) Well, whenever the Bible talks about prostitutes and you grow up in the evangelical subculture, you always you, feel like you, you just jump on it. Because you're just like, you just, we get to talk about this. Uh, okay, so it's talking about their idols being laid to waste. And it says, for from the fee of a prostitute, she gathered them and to the fee of a prostitute, they shall return. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what's basically happening happening here is they're saying, okay, these idols are really expensive to build. Like they're often made of precious metals, gold, all that kind of stuff. And the way that they afforded the construction of these expensive idols was through cult prostitution. Yeah. Where they would set up idols to fake gods, Yeah. right? And they would say, come sleep with our prostitutes in this temple, pay us to do that, and then we'll use that money to build golden idols. Yeah. Okay, that's horrible. And then, yeah. and then the Assyrians are going to come in. They're going to steal your gold idols, break them down into gold coins, and then they're going to use that gold to go pay for more cult prostitutes. And <laughs> like, yeah, what? It's and, such a b- cycle of brokenness. And it's getting exactly what they deserve. Oh yeah, it's okay. like they're an eye for an eye. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, complete perfect justice. And this would probably be a little hard to prove explicitly but the exile would have meant that many women would have probably been stolen by assyria Mm. to be the cult prostitutes in their own temples yeah so that that cycle of exploitation that israel was a part of is done back to them i see in their in israel's power they possibly or no they they would have they would have been exploiting women into some form of sex trafficking Mm -hmm. in order to make them become cult prostitutes yeah and now their own people will be sold as cult prostitutes. That's also happening. Oh, so there's just, there's, gosh. A, it's an intense, and it's intense prophecy. And then, and Micah responds appropriately. Mm. He laments, he yeah. wails, he weeps. This, f- f- 
uh, I will go stripped and naked. I will make lamentation like the jackals and mourning like the ostriches. He's yeah. like, he's heartbroken over the na- the fate of he's his. He's not gloating. People. No. He, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, man, that's so intense. Her wound is incurable. Yeah. And it's come to Judah. So that all happened in Samaria and Israel in the north. Yeah. And like a septic like wound, it's spreading to the south. It's it's interesting to to hear the Bible talk about an incurable wound. Okay, why? I mean, the Bible always has hope. You know, like, yeah. so to talk about a moment in Israel's history where the land, you know, it couldn't be saved. It was yeah. an, it was incurable. It was inevitable. You know, and like, we get that all throughout the mm-hmm. prophets, throughout kings. I mean, we can hang our hat on the fact that God mm-hmm. communicated the inevitability mm-hmm. of Israel's destruction because mm-hmm. of their sin. And it's just like... Yeah, I I I don't know. It's a sobering fact that the Bible contains inevitable judgment. Right, and we talked about this back when we talked about kings. Mm. And part of the reason is for that is that resurrection only comes after death. That's right, and it's, that's Micah's point too. And that's Micah's point. Like yeah. Israel must die so that it might resurrect. Yes, the nation must die so that a remnant can build a new nation. The wound must run its course so that the infection can die and yeah. new life can be raised up. That's exactly right. Okay. <laughs> um, and that has reached the gate of Jerusalem. That sepsis, that that septic mm. wound has come now from the north of Israel. To where the it center of Israel's heart. To, to Jerusalem itself. Okay. Um, now, this is interesting uh-huh. because you could talk about that as political idolatry. Um, like, right? Like, it's not political idolatry, but idolatry itself. Mm-hmm. The idolatrous sepsis, the idolatrous yeah. um, disease, infection yeah. has spread. But it's also the idea, the wound could also be what's inflicted by Assyria when it comes and destroys oh, right. Samaria. Yes, the wound that has started to bleed in the northern kingdom by the sword of Assyria. The physical wounds that they're creating right. is now marching toward the gates of Jerusalem to destroy them. Which is exactly what's going to happen. What's going to happen. Um, They come to Hezekiah's gate mm -hmm. uh, during the the prophecy of Micah, and they're about to conquer him. Yeah, so what happens next then? So this happened in the Israel in the north. Now Micah prophesies against Judah in the south and says a number of cities that will be overthrown by a coming force that we know is... Assyria. Yeah. He says, Tell not in Gath, weep it not in Bethlehaphra. And he goes on in Shafir and Zanan, and he yeah. names all these cities. So you're going to get to this point as you're reading your Bible, and you're like, Why? 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 Yeah. <laughs> Why so many things? Uh, well, one, you should know they're all plays on words. They're all puns. They're all puns. Yeah. Um, and he's, so, so let's just go through a couple of the puns. Yeah. Well, uh, and like, let me set up this. Yeah. I love what one commentator said about like, just describing what this would have felt like to read. He says, the regularly occurring alliteration, the rapid shift from one locality to another, images juxtaposed in opposition to one another, along with imperatives and parallels, all give the song a dynamic and dramatic effect. One feels the excitement before the dreaded march of the enemy. Mm. Like, that's just what it feels like. It's like the yeah. like this just hyped up, like mm-hmm. I don't know, just like drumbeat of drumbeat just, yeah. of uh, yeah. So anyway, all these puns. Yeah, the first one is "tell it not in Gath, weep not at all." In Hebrew, those two lines sound very similar. So, um, so. and so like uh, if and the point to be to be clear, the point here is also that uh, is probably that this is not supposed to be a gloating occasion. Yeah, to, like to to not gloat because then the next line is going to be. Um, roll yourselves in the dust, you know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, the, the point is like, you are getting what you deserve, right? What you set, yeah, you're getting what you deserve. Yeah, that's, so don't. That's, there's no need to cry about it because yeah, you deserve it. But anyway, the 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 weep not, tell it not in Gath, weep not at all. Sounds the same in uh, in Hebrew. Those two lines, yeah. and like I tried, <laughs> to I tried it. to do one, and no offense to the country I chose, yeah. okay, but it would be like. The Dominican, don't cry for them. You know, it kind of yeah. has that same feeling to, yeah. to the two lines. And then there's like the, you said it so well, Bethlehafra. Uh, yeah, Bethlehafra. It means, means dust town. Yeah, house yeah. of dust. And so they'll turn to rubble. 
Right. Uh, the, the house of dust will roll in the dust. Yep. Yeah. Pass on your way, inhabitants of Shafir. Which means beauty town. And so uh, I, I wrote a line for this one. Oh, did like, you? Shafir means beautiful. So Micah warns the beautiful town will be stripped naked for the pleasure of her enemies. Yeah. That's, that's... I just said all the inhabitants of beauty town will be ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Zanon. Zanon. Zanon means uh, the going forth town, the, the town that goes out. Yeah, and they will not come out. They will not come out. Uh, I think the implication there is that they were known for military courage, yep. and going out was a symbol of war. That's so right. So the military, the militarily advanced, the military like proud town. Yep. They're not brave anymore. That's they're, right. They're they're the town of Beth. Yeah, the, the NRA will have no guns. Yeah, that's right. That would be that's like right. the feel. The lamentation of Beth Ezel, which means the taken away town. Mm. Well, it'll be taken away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you it's, guys, you get it. You get it. You guys get it. The the interesting one for me is the one Lackish. Mm. It gets four, uh, six lines rather than just two, like all the other ones. And it says this: "Harness the steeds to the chariots, mm. inhabitants of Lackish. It is the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, for in you were found the transgression of Israel." Ah. So this one's a really important town. Uh, one, it was one of the chariot cities built by King Solomon. So 1 Kings 9, 19, 10, 26. One of the what cities? Chariot cities. Oh. They represented the biggest investment in Israel's military infrastructure during the reign of King Solomon. What's a chariot city? It was built to it make was built chariots? to make chariots oh, and okay. develop weapons of war. Oh. So, so it's like a Fort Sill or some yeah, it's or, like uh, what's the big Tinker Air Tinker, Force Base uh, here in Oklahoma City? Yeah, there's a there's a I think the, Ar, not Ardmore. No, there's a Anadarko. They make tanks down there. Oh gosh, like you know, it's like something like that. Does Anadarko mean maker of tanks? I because wish it. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. But the the idea is, and so they said that's the beginning of Israel's sin. Right, was when Solomon started to depend on the strength of chariots. Yeah. Instead of God. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, and it was one. It's the city that uh, King Sennacherib overtakes in First Second Kings eighteen, mm. and sends delegates to Jerusalem from to say we're going to come and beat you down, surrender. Yeah, he's like, we took your chariots. We took we took the strongest city. We took the military stronghold in the land. We took the military base. Yeah, yeah, you you, <laughs> yeah. you, you have no chance. We took all your tanks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you you can't you can't win anymore. Yeah, okay. So uh, he's going through all these punny, mm-hmm. ironic judgments of all these different towns that the Assyrians are going to come and and overtake. Um, and so then he tells them to basically mourn. He does, yeah. And I, uh, he tells them to mourn, to shave their heads, to, to mourn because their destruction is inevitable. They will get what's coming to them. The, they said that they would accept this punishment. Mm. They've sinned like they said they wouldn't do. So the punishment is coming. Okay, so we've gone through the the court case, like the courtroom and why there is a court case at all with the covenant and the making of the people. We've talked about the judge entering the chambers to bring a charge against them. Now we've talked about the, the charge itself. Mm -hmm. um, And then we've talked about the punishment because of the, of the, of the charge. And I think, am I right in thinking chapter two is evidence? Um, like witnesses, yes. like calling witnesses to the yeah, stand. It's, it's specific witnesses. Yeah, okay. that's right. I think that or evidence. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Okay. Um, can I give you one more fact? Oh yeah. So that phrase, "Tell it not in Gath," that starts it starts this little like diatribe yes. against all the city states, and then it ends with this reference to Adullam. Oh yes. So those are there for a specific reason. So tell him not in Gath. The other time that shows up in scripture is Second Samuel one ten. It's the story of Absalom. It's a story when no, when Jonathan and Saul die oh. in battle with the Philistines. Oh. And when David is giving their eulogy, mm. he tells Gath, which is a Philistine town, yes. not to rejoice for Israel's the the falling of Israel's first king. Right. Yeah. And then Adullam was a place where uh David fled from Saul in the mm. first place, and it's where he built up his mighty men, and that's where he began his military campaign. So what's interesting about this is that Micah is recalling the fall of Israel's first monarch as the kingdom of Israel is falling. Mm. So it's another like irony. Whoa. And that, but secondly, it's another hidden hope. piece of hope. This has been Seth's <laughs> hope hints. <laughs> number two. Hope hints. The Israel will flee to Adullam, mm. like David fled to Adullam. But it was it, from there. 
that he launched his campaign and was able to, like, he gathered his mighty men. A remnant of people came that were dis, like destitute okay. and downtrodden, and they ended up taking a new kingdom, bringing the, the kingdom of God. That's so, really okay. Can I say that again? Yes. Okay, because this is a very confusing kind of eye glazy part of scripture for me. Yeah. All these names. And, yeah, it took me a while to get yeah. here too. Uh, so what you're saying is there's a there's a broader story in these, and it starts off with an allusion to the story of Saul when Saul died. And Saul was an, a, a, an unfit king to rule his people. Mm-hmm. And so God brought him down in punishment. But it was in that time, uh, in Saul's downfall, that David went to Adullam mm-hmm. and rose up a mighty fit king for Israel. Mm-hmm. And now what you're saying is this is going to happen now on a grander scale where Israel is now Saul all of her is going mm-hmm. to fall, mm-hmm. but often some unknown corner of the world, hint Bethlehem coming up later. Yes. Um, God will build up a mighty conqueror to come back into the land and be the final shepherd king like David was yeah. uh, that the people need. Yes. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really, really cool. There's uh, hints of hope. Hints of hope. After judgment. Okay. Okay, so we have talked about the court case um, against Israel, the first court case against Israel that Mike is prophesying about here. And we've talked about how God is going to come and melt the mountains like wax as the formidable Judge Judy. (laughs) I can't get that image out of my head now. Um, And he says that he's going to judge Israel for breaking the covenant. Uh, He's going to break their idols. He's going to conquer them with Assyria. and there's little hint, hope hints. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we see Jesus in in this as like the com- uh, the coming mountain melting God, right? Bringing a covenant lawsuit against his people. Well, God shows up again on a mountain in Jesus. Yes, the Mount of Transfiguration. Right, right. and Jesus. he shows up in all his glory and power, fire and like like all mm. that same image. And he in. puts the the head of the law, Moses, next mm-hmm. to him, the covenant maker, and, and the head of the prophets, Elijah, next right. to him, representing everybody, including Micah. And what has he come to do? He's come to make a new creation, make a new kingdom, mm. set, make to establish a new nation from the remnant of the old one. Yeah, you ha- He has his 12 disciples, represented the, tw- the remnant of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. He comes from Bethlehem, which is a prophecy also in, yep. in, in, Micah. in Micah, and he establishes in himself a new humanity and a new kingdom to do justice where Israel failed to do it and to mm. bless the world in a way that God, it, that, that Israel failed, failed so to do. So see if I can say it another way. Yeah. Uh, so like, because I'm, uh, here, okay, here's what I heard, yeah. and it's I, it sounds good, but I'm also trying to be like, is that, are we subverting Micah in doing this? Okay. But it's like. You know, God shows up in Micah's day, <laughs> as, and when God shows up as a judge, it's mountain-melting judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When Jesus shows up in mountain-melting glory, it's all hope. It's not. Okay. Because what has Jesus come to do? Not one stone will be left on top of another in Jerusalem's temple. Oh, that's right. He prophesies the final end right. of Israel's And just temple. like it happened in Micah's day with the Assyrian army, it happens in AD 70 with Rome's army. Right. Like, Jesus is still the mountain-melting judge. He melts the high place of Israel, which was Jerusalem, mm. a monument to its own, like, false... Everything false about the, that... Yeah, they're, they're trusting themselves. They're trusting their self righteousness. The, the the national pride. The national pride. Yeah. All that dies. The, the unjust system. Yeah, yeah, right there. I mean, and Jesus, like Micah, wept over Jerusalem. He does. He, you know, how I weep for you, Jerusalem. The Would one, that you have turned. You know, the, like the one who kills the prophets. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I get that. Yep. So, okay, but okay, how's that good news though? So, okay. Yeah. So I think it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around like it's good news because there's one sense of like good news, like the gospel applied to us in Jesus' death on the cross and we are with God forever. I think there's like a piece of good news I'm trying to like wrap my head around more mm-hmm. is like this new common mission that will inevitably be accomplished 
Israel was supposed to bless the world. Right. And that was the point of the covenant. That was the point of the covenant. And okay. by their obeying the law, the world would be blessed and all the world would come to know God and justice would reign forever and injustice would end. And now I've been given that same mission that Israel had. Mm. And I know I will not fall prey to the same injustice provided I trust Jesus to obey the law on my behalf, but fill me with the ability to obey the law. He's, he's abolished the old systems, yeah. the old ways of, um, uh, relating to God that were set. I mean, I, I, it's complicated cause he hasn't come yet. Right. 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 But like, I've been given the good news of a new commission to bless the world. The mm. great commission is go to all the world and preach the, the good news yeah. that Jesus has come. Like I'm, I'm trying to like live into that new national mission that Israel had right. that is promised to be restored. The news is a new king will come, a new yeah. shepherd king will come, a new nation will be established, new remnant will be there, and we get to live with God as a new creation to bring justice to a world that's full of injustice. Yeah, I mean, okay, to play with that a little bit. Yeah, I mean. In a sense, when when another when God came again after Jesus's death and resurrection, um, when God came again in fire and in power and in to some people's response terror, mm-hmm. it was the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Yeah, like when He comes out of His temple, like He's described right, right, as doing right, right. in verse three of chapter one, He comes to dwell in us as His new temple mm-hmm. to make us the new priests of a new and better covenant to do this, you know, work of a new creation you've been talking about. Yeah. To bring justice and, yeah. and overturn injustice in the world. And then, like, tying that in with this promise of a new, um, what's the name of that city? Adullam or? Uh, Ad- which one? Adullam is one of the cities. Yeah, Adullam, where David <laughs> yeah. raised up his mighty oh, man. Yeah. Where it's like, well, if Jesus is the new David, the new conqueror who goes mm. to the city to raise up his mighty men, well, that's us. Like the church, right. we're the new the mighty, men, mighty of men of God, mighty men and women of, of God, God. Yeah. going out into the world to like save them from uh, the encroaching tyranny coming against them, but also from the injustice that is endemic with inside inside it, the incurable yeah. wound. Yeah. We have a cure for the incurable wound. Yes. Yeah. That's all good news. That's all good news. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Does that slake your desire for good news? I think so. It's never slaked. It's never slaked. I need more. I always need more good news. Okay, so then chapter two, right? Chapter two, Mm -hmm. we've said, is kind of the evidence or the witnesses being Mm -hmm. called up in the court case. We're going to hear, not because like so far we've kind of heard like broad strokes, you've broken the covenant and you're done for. You Idolatry, injustice. Yeah, Yeah, but it's like, okay, can we get some specifics though? Like... You know, like you can't just be like, so for one account of murder, you know, it's right. like, well, who did you murder? Yeah. You know, it's like, we're going to get some of the specifics. Here. Well, and actually, as I, I say, injustice, injustice is really included in the second. Oh, we have the, the, the trust in military in verse 13 in Micah 1. And then we also have idolatry yep. in Micah 1 7. And here in chapter 2, we basically get a condemnation of Israel's leadership, mm. the kings and the prophets okay. uh, in particular, and the ways the kings and prophets have subverted justice to their own ends and are inviting, are, are complicit or inviting the dist- God's destruction against Israel. Okay. Okay. So he comes against them and says, Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. Mm-hmm. It's like so interesting that most of most evil people would do their work in the shadows. Mm-hmm. You know, when the night oh, sets, yeah. that's when you do your work. Um, and when the day when the day dawns in uh, in this time period, um, it was at daybreak that court cases were heard was at daybreak mm. was to because it was a physical symbol of right. the deeds of the dark being exposed interesting so it was at sunrise that these that that court cases would be heard that's so cool and so that. it's like but in israel yeah. when the when the day dawns the judges are actually performing mm. the evil that they should be judging interesting so it's like they're shameless and do their acts open openly yeah. in midday they spend all night planning their evil deeds exactly and, and then, then get up at daybreak and instead of performing justice in the courts they subvert justice in the courts. Yeah, they covet and they covet fields and seize them and houses and take yes. them away and oppress a man for his house and a man for his inheritance. I think this might be a nod to Naboth's vineyard story in yeah. 1 Kings 21. Yeah. It's when King Ahab steals a man's vineyard because he wants it. Yep, he coveted it. He coveted it, plans with his wife overnight to make it happen. And in the next morning, they 
they do exactly this. Yep. They take a man's inheritance from him um, and steal it for themselves. Yeah. And this is like, re- th- that's an offensive story even just to modern ears, right? Like, right. Just to go steal some dude's place for a no king reason. who has all the wealth yeah. of the kingdom, wants a vineyard near his palace, right. and so he murders a man to get it. It's an Horrible. abuse of power. Yeah. It's everything. But wrong. there's another layer of the covenant that is makes this all the more scandalous. Okay. And it's going to lean back into when we talked about the fee of the prostitute it's going to mm-hmm. lean back more into like the eye for an eye justice of okay. god so so much of the law talks about the land mm-hmm. and how god portioned out the land for each tribe and each family and once those boundaries have been set it's been a generous portion giving to mm-hmm. given to your your tribe your clan your family yep and you stay in there and that land passes down through your ancestors so that no one will ever be without a plenteous place to live. It was this perfect economy, kind of yeah. almost utopian in a sense. Yeah. It's not in like, I'm not trying to make a statement with right. that or anything, but it's just like, and, yeah. and to, to barely budge your neighbor's boundary markers, like to move your neighbor's fence a little bit, you know, like, like if, yeah, like, yeah, there's all those weird laws about that. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if like we're, we're going to, we're about to replace our backyard fence and oh, you've had all those. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, there's a boundary marker. And if I was to put my fence like two inches right. over that boundary marker, no one would probably know. Right. But God would be furious if I lived in Israel. Because he was the one who was distributing the he land. He put it there. And it was good and just for him to give those two inches to my neighbor instead of me. Yeah. And so for Israel's Israelites to take land from other Israelites mm-hmm. is to spit in God's face, to overturn the reason he gave them the land, to overturn the fact that it was a free gift. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just so scandalous. It's also scandalous the fact that it's the king. The oh, king yeah. is supposed to enforce the laws of the land. Mm. It, where, do, can, where, do, where do you see that this is the king? Well, the king has... We, it, there's no reference to the king. Okay. But it's to a leader within Israel who... Is that ha- because of Micah's role that we're assuming that? Yeah, it would be Micah's role. He specifically mentions the prophets here in a second. Mm-hmm. And so the they covet fields and seize them, or the leaders covet fields and seize them, or the the, the, the kingly house. And also in Micah 6, we have a reference to King Ahab. Mm-hmm. So like it yeah. seems fair to say right. that it's the kings. Um, and it's at uh, least the leaders. It's the leaders. Yeah. Uh, some pe- uh, the one commentator just called them the wealthy land barons. Oh gosh. Uh, they were just like <laughs> gobbling up whatever land they could. Okay. Like, it's it's the 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 elite one yeah. percent of Israel. Right. And so these leaders are taking the land. It's even worse. And because yeah. they were supposed to protect, they were supposed to memorize God's law yes. and enforce the justice that God right. had set up. And instead, they're abusing it for their own ends. Yeah. And so. We'll get to like the the point, or no? We've already talked about the sentence. Then mm-hmm. is that they'll be kicked out of the land. That's right. And so, like, that's the eye for an eye punishment mm-hmm. there, where it's like, oh, you want all the land for yourself? You will have none of the land. Yeah. Verse five says, "To an apostate, he allots our fields. Therefore, you will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord." Yeah. So this is a su- pretty loaded phrase. It is. But one, to an apostate, he allots our lands. That's probably a reference to Jezebel. Mm. Jezebel was the not an Israelite. Nope. She was she a Syrian? I, I forget. I don't, I don't or Egyptian. Remember. She she was not an Israelite. Yeah. But because she inherits land of, that was when Ahab dies, right. she inherits all of his land. She now owns as a, as a owns Israel's land, mm-hmm. contrary to God's intention, contrary to the justice for God's people, and then because Israel has allowed this, God will no longer divide and apportion the land as he promised he would right joshua 12 god divides the land up by lots yes and he like apportions the land justly right depending on size yep. of the people and now he's saying i'll no longer do that i'll let injustice rule since mm-hmm. you've decided to let that be the way that you yeah I, uh, my commentator even said that verse five this assembly of the lord mm-hmm. is eschatological that it's oh. when we come back in to convene um, none of the apostate will get a lot. Of oh, land. so this is hope. This could be a hope portion for the Interesting. remnant. Interesting. That the remnant will come back into the land and they will have land. Oh, yes. But there will be no lots appointed for the apostates. That's right. That is. This is one of my hope hints. Oh, okay. oh Seth's third hope. Yeah. Hint. So the 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 judgment is like you'll get what you deserve. Yes. God will not apportion the land anymore. 
Or will he? Or will he? Or will he? Yes. Is it that the, only the apostate will no longer right. have the field, but all God's true remnant will receive yeah. uh, the land? That's cool. It's a, it's a hope hint. Hope hint. Hope hint. I like uh, Seth's hope hints. Um, I, I, I almost forgot about segment. that one, though. <laughs> hope hints. The hope hints. I, almost, I did almost forget about We that need one. like a sound effect that plays whenever we have a Seth's hope hint. There's an interesting <laughs> dynamic to the idea. Uh, there's an interesting idea here where like God perfectly apportions, like, gives out and divides the land to who it's yeah. belongs to yeah and i i i thought about this the other day when i was talking to a friend of mine not you oh i you have, have other friends i have other friends david i feel scandalized um, but it was like we were reading something in the news about like native american land oh, yeah and you know the america coming in and taking that land but then also thinking about well oftentimes the native americans took that land from other native american tribes and those native american tribes took it from other native american tribes so when god comes back who gets the land right like who owns it any in anywhere in the world anywhere in the world and All, now yeah. And, yeah and now a corporation owns it and you know like right. it's like who really owns the land mm. and what is a just allocation of a land given to a people i mean that is a sticky subject right. only god could pull that apart exactly and i feel that tension now yeah. removed from like oh. a sense of like that i'm like man i want justice to be done and the allocation of land that helps right yeah the, that, the native american thing helps because i'm like even when you're talking about it, i'm like just give it back like right. i'm just like <laughs> but it's right. like, yeah and i get your point and i'm just like that helps it hit home a little bit closer i mean we live in oklahoma we live in oklahoma I mean, yeah this is like where the trail of tears ended you know like it's just yeah we've got a lot of native american land baggage here and we've done a lot of wrong here or they, or, you know yeah and it's for us. and i think it's interesting that the way land is allocated now is mm. always by force yeah who's stronger right that's the only way land is allocated and we have grown accustomed to land being annexed by force and like well how else could we determine mm. think about it in terms of gentrification too yep that's right? exactly right. Rent hikes that force yeah. out lower income people to make room for new high rises and fancier. And like, the consolidation builds. of wealth is one of the things Micah is criticizing mm. Israel's leadership for. Yeah. So like those were yeah. some helpful things for me. <laughs> when the kingdom uh, of heaven comes back, who gets queens? Right. Yeah. <laughs> there. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I actually, I do mm. need that. Mm. And I need a God who will come in and reallocate the land so, appropriately. To lean into that just yeah, a little bit yeah. more about the good news of it mm -hmm. is, do you know why? No, I mean, yes, God is equitable. He's just, he's fair. These are the, the allocation and proportions of the land given to the people are expressions of God's good character, right? Mm -hmm. But there's something deeper there and theological, I think, about why God did that. And why God portioned the land. Okay. And the Torah tells us that it's because God is our portion. Oh. Like the Levites, right, did not have a, a land portioned mm -hmm. to them because God was their portion. And mm -hmm. I think that they being the priestly class, and then now that all Christians mm -hmm. are now called the priests, mm -hmm. we are supposed to see God as our portion. And so it's like, and if, if the, I'm going to get super technical for a second, yeah. but it's like, if the David, by the way, wrote all the land allotment passages I did. in so Joshua, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. if you go and read our Joshua devotionals where there's like <laughs> 10 <laughs> chapters of, and this tribe gets this much land from this border to this border. David wrote five devotionals. <laughs> this is why I have all these opinions. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then if you think about the temple as a picture of the world, Mm -hmm. um, in the new heavens and new earth, we're told that there is no longer any temple because Jesus Christ, it fills all in all. Mm. So that is literally the fulfillment of the Lord is our portion. So like, uh, where will we live in the new heavens and the new earth? In Christ. Yeah. Yes, we'll live on a place too, but that will not be our chief concern. It mm. will It will not be... We'll have We'll have our inheritance of land we'll in have our Jesus. Yeah, yeah we'll, ha we'll have our inheritance of, uh, inheritance of land but the reason it is good and fair and right that we have it is because Jesus is in it with us. Hmm. Anyway, I just yeah. like, that's the good news in land allotments. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that ultimately, when we are given a new and final land, regardless of your own personal history, if you've been gentrified out of your neighborhood, if, you're, if you've been displaced, if, mm -hmm. if you're a refugee, right. or if you are the people Mike is talking to, right. and you've been displacing others, like if in Jesus, mm. in new heavens and new earth, you will have a perfectly apportioned land for yourself and the reason it's perfect is because jesus lives in it with you 
Yeah, it won't be based on how big it is no. or how beautiful it is no. or how how close to the ocean it is. Right. But because Jesus is there with you. Yeah. Look, in the new heavens and new earth, the real estate is all about location, location, location. And all <laughs> locations are in Christ. End the podcast right now. Push <laughs> pause. <laughs> okay. All right. We got to get on to the false prophets. Okay. So the, the I don't know who's speaking in verse six of chapter two. Um, do not preach, thus they <laughs> preach. I think it's Micah's still preaching, and but who is he mocking? He's mocking the court pre uh, the court prophets prophets okay, who would so. have been aligning themselves with the the, the political establishment. I love this uh, so much. <laughs> um, another like Jeremiah does this kind of stuff too, and it's hilarious every time. So like you can picture him as you, if you go back to our last episode and and like listen to us talking about Micah's role in the court. Yes of the king and among the other prophets. So you have all these prophets who have aligned themselves with the political powers in Israel and they are usually just sycophantic yes men who mm -hmm. just, you know, agree with whatever the king says. And or defend the king to people and say nothing's wrong with what he's doing. Yeah. 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 Which is what's about to happen in a couple of chapters <laughs> versus so just 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 teasing that. Teasing that. Yeah, but then you have this one real prophet comes in and starts saying like everything's not okay. This king's a tyrant and we're all going to die. <laughs> Like, and then you could just see all the prophets around and be like, shut up, Micah. Shut up. <laughs> we don't do that here. We don't, this is not how we do our job. <laughs> do not preach, thus they preach. Is, we get health benefits when we don't say that. And then Micah is like, okay, guys, don't preach like this. That's what you guys are saying. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake That's us. their message. And then this is really interesting. Okay. Should this be said, O house of Jacob? Mm. Has the Lord grown impatient? Who's saying those questions? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's the false prophets are saying this. Uh, so, so here's what false prophets are saying. They said, Micah, judgment's not coming. Mm. Why? Has God grown impatient with his people? Is disgrace going to overtake us? Hasn't no. God promised that we would be his chosen people forever? Are these the kinds of things that God does? And I'm like, and then, then it's, that, that made me feel a little more sympathetic. To do them. not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? And that's, I think, Micah speaking. Oh, you think so? Because it changes. Are these his deeds? And then Micah speaking for God says, do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly. Man, it could go either way. It could go either way. It also could be the self-deluded prophets thinking, we do walk uprightly. Uh, we do live in the temple of the Lord. Like... We're safe here. God's words are good to us because we're his people. And then you have this but lately in the next one. Interesting. Which could be, anyway, it could go both ways. It could go both ways. But the point here is the false teachers are banking on half of how God revealed himself mm. on Mount Sinai. What did God say when he created the nation of Israel that he would be his people forever? And he said, I am slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy. Mm. But what do they miss out? I will by no means clear the guilty. Right. So they're they're preaching half of the covenant. Oof, they're quoting scripture. They're quoting scripture. And then Micah's saying, there is another half that says you must do justice. Mm. But lately, my people, God's people, have risen up as an enemy and you strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly with no thoughts of war. What he means is the people within Israel don't expect their own leaders to take advantage of them. That when they live in Israel, they expect to be taken care of by their king oh, by their right, prophets. Yeah. But you strip the rich robe right. from people who don't expect you to do so. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on and says, you steal the luxurious homes from the women of Israel and you take away children's inheritance forever. Mm. Uh, this goes back to, an un there's a lot of wealth in Israel, a lot no thought of war, rich robe, luxurious homes, the splendor of a children's inheritance. Israel has a lot of money. And during that time, Israel's prophets and kings were consolidating that wealth in themselves mm -hmm. rather than doing what? Allocating it fairly according to justice. Yeah. Um, anyway. Mm. Okay. So so those are the the charges against mm -hmm. them. Uh, oh, it's so intense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do we, where do we go from here? Well, where Micah goes from it, yeah. he says, you have no place to rest. Because of the oh. uncleanliness that destroys with a grievous destruction. So he's saying what the, the destructions that, that's coming, the exile that's coming, you've brought on yourself. Mm -hmm. That like you think that the accumulation of land, you know, because the land God gave was a place of rest, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That was supposed to be the place mm -hmm. of rest was, was yeah. this land. 
And in a broken way, Israel's leaders are thinking, well, more land, more rest. Mm. And yet the more land they've acquired, Micah says, there is no place of rest for you. Mm. Yeah, And there's only destruction. There's no security. You think there's more security and wealth. There's no security and wealth. There's only destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let me reveal to you your own idolatrous hearts. I'm going yeah. to take away all your land and reveal mm-hmm. to you that you've never had any rest. I'm going to take away all your security and wealth and realize that you'd never had any. You've only had destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, the punishment fits the crime. That's right. Again. That's right. Okay. And then finally he, but then he switches real fast in verse 12 to the yes. most explicit offer of hope in the first two chapters. Yeah, this is cool. This is some cool stuff. Yeah. Here's the, here's the, here it is, Micah's prophecy of hope and fool. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. After judgment, I will assemble you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold. Now that passage, there's a whole bunch of parallels throughout scripture on that passage. Yeah. Jeremiah 23 talks about that. 1 Kings 22, 17 talks about that. Like mm. there's a whole bunch of like parallels. Is uh, Assyria will scatter Israel, but God will regather them mm. in Israel or... Uh, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. And then he who opens up the breach. And I, the one of the translations I read, it just the breaker will go up before them, and <laughs> break through and pass the gate, going out by it. And mm. the king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. And that's the end of this lawsuit. Well, that's the end of this lawsuit. So at the very end of all this evidence against Israel that m- makes their judgment inevitable, he says, but here is a prophecy of hope. I will gather my people in Jerusalem and like a king, I will lead them out in victory. Mm. Yeah. He's, I mean, gather you like sheep and then we're going to break open the gate and I will lead you in a righteous kingly procession yeah. to our promised land. So this already, in one sense, this has already happened. Mm. So this actually happened in history. Micah prophesied this and then it happened during the king of Assyria, during, during King Hezekiah's reign. Oh, with the displaced people of the northern kingdom? So whenever Sennacherib goes in and conquers all those 10 towns, yeah. you know, don't tell it in Gath, Shafir, yeah, he yeah, conquers yeah. all those towns and he holds up in Lachish. What happens when you an enemy army comes in and takes over a whole bunch of towns? The displaced people have to run to a stronghold. And so where do they go? They all go to Jerusalem. Mm. So what is happening while Assyria is judging Israel for her sins? The sheep have been gathered the into a pen. The sheep are being gathered into the pen of Jerusalem. And then what happens when Assyria starts talking to Hezekiah demanding his surrender? Mm. Do you remember? Mm. Hezekiah prays. Oh, yeah. He finally prays and he asks God, God, will you please save us? There's oh, this, an Assyrian blockade. Yes. They've hemmed Jerusalem in yes. to the, like, into Jerusalem. Right. All the refugees are swollen there, but like the prophecy is that God will break through. And what so, happens? Yeah, God breaks out and kills 185,000 Assyrians. In one night and God leads Hezekiah to victory for a wow. period of time. So that happened. So it happened. Yeah. Second Kings 19. Wow. This happened. That's amazing. Right. And I've always thought about this kind of abstractly. I've heard this yeah, 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 prophecy yeah. a number of times growing up. And I've always thought about it abstractly. about God's going to bring in the sheep with Jesus. Yeah. Right. And we're going to go out in all the world. But I think, and I think that's true. Uh, definitely true. We'll get there. And we'll, but I was like, I wanted to sit in a moment. I was like, man, I, ha- I kind of forgot. Historically, this happened. Mike is an actual prophet yeah. of history. Right. And then it happened. Yeah. In Sennacherib, and it's funny if you go and read that. Um, oh, that Sennacherib. The Sennacherib's like chronicle of this Stile war or whatever. He he never mentions that he actually conquered Jerusalem. He uh, only says that he hemmed them in for a period of time, which he did. He did, and then he it was devastating was for him. Yeah, it was. And what ends up happening after in Second Kings nineteen is that after he loses to Jerusalem, he goes back home and then dies that same night. Right. Which brings us back to the very start of Micah's prophecy because he gathered all the nations. Mm-hmm. As I judge Israel, I will judge the nations. Right. So God judges Judah by those ten towns becoming mm-hmm. like rubble and naked and whatever else. They flee to Jerusalem where God gathers them like sheep in a pen, yeah. but he breaks out and gives them salvation. And what does he do in that same moment? He also judges the nations that are exactly like Israel. Salvation after judgment, but still judgment for the nations. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's, because the remnant will, yeah. only once the remnant is established as God's people, mm. will blessing to the nations come. Right. There's like that pattern yeah, still hasn't yeah, been yeah. completed yet. Yeah. 
What's amazing, too, to get to the Jesus like fulfillment yeah. of this is Jesus quotes this as well. When does he quote it? In John 10. <gasps> That's right. He yeah, does. Yes. Jesus quotes this. And what's amazing is he also quotes it when surrounded by false teachers. He does. He's surrounded by false teachers, uh, in this case, the Pharisees, who are saying that Jesus, what he's saying is wrong and what they're saying is right. And he's saying like, oh, you're calling us blind? We're not blind. We can see. And mm-hmm. like they're, they're arguing over whose teaching is correct. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus gives the famous... Like, I am the good shepherd passage. Um, And he he says, um, let's see here. Uh, Here, let me just read it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Now, here, here we go. Here's where he starts to quote it. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. This is Jesus saying, I'm the fulfillment of the good shepherd that was promised in Micah. Mm -hmm. I open the gate for my sheep. I lead them out. And those who know my voice, the remnant, they follow me out. Uh, So it's amazing. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. Uh, And as a side note, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy He's talking about the false teachers with him, the Pharisees. The Pharisees. He's not talking about Satan there. <laughs> that is Satan a fun, has, that's a fun side note. Yeah, it's just a just a side. Whenever note. we finally get to speaking the gospel out of all the gospels, <laughs> yes, I'm excited to talk about oh, that. About so many little yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, yeah. Anyway, so Jesus does fulfill this. I mean, okay. So that's like he he's that's the literary fulfillment of it, right? Like Jesus quoted this. Jesus quoted this to false teachers, yeah. saying that he would. Um, what is it? What is, what army is he beating? What army is Jesus beating? I like, mean, because like in in here, it's like mm. Micah is prophesying that he, God will come into Jerusalem and break through the Assyrian blockade and lead his people out into victory. Mm. So, what is the blockade that his people? Uh, do do you th- oh, I, I follow you. I mean, I'm afraid of the answer. <laughs> What's the answer? It, if 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 we're supposed to see this parallel. The answer in John 9 and 10 is the false teaching of the Pharisees, Mm. the army of their legalism. So so the context here is Jesus heals a man born blind in John 9. Yeah. And um, there there comes a court case around Jesus now. Another court case Mm -hmm. starts to happen. And they're trying to figure out who healed this man. And um, they try to get down to the bottom of it, which is why is this man blind to begin with? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out who sinned to make him blind. It, it, was it the blind man himself who sinned and God mm-hmm. struck him with blindness? Yeah. Or was it his parents who sinned and they were given a blind son as a punishment? Yeah. And Jesus says, that's not how I work. Mm-hmm. That's a false way of teaching. Um, and then he goes into the shepherd stuff. <laughs> and okay. so, like, so I'm like, if we're meant to see what mm. army is Jesus beating as who are the people he's talking to, yeah. it would be the false teaching of the Pharisees. Interesting. Yeah. I'm also thinking about, like, this is more metaphorical, Mm -hmm. but the army of death Mm -hmm. right after John 10, Lazarus. Oh, yes. The story of Lazarus in the tomb. And we just had the phrase, none will snatch them out of my hand. Yeah. And and Jesus quotes that. Uh, Oh, wait. Are you talking about... It, where does it say none will snatch you? Is in that, John 10. Okay, I thought that was in Micah too. I was like, oh my gosh, what? No, no, no. Okay, yeah, no, yes. okay. uh, no, that's like, no, Jesus has said this. Yes. And then he goes to a man who's up against the great, like he's within a wall that no right. king has broken through before. Right. And Jesus leads him out of it. Mm-hmm. He leads him out of the grave. Like, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, is there a metaphorical like way to see this? God will gather all His people into the pen of death, and then from the pen of death will break through death mm. itself and lead them to resurrection life. I mean, yeah, like, like, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, I absolutely. I think there's also like there is good news, also just in Jesus not being a false teacher, in Jesus mm. being a good prophet like Micah, yeah, in a in a court of false prophets who want to blame someone's blindness on their sin. Right. Who want, and like, and the, I mean, they're indicted for injustice all, all throughout oh, the gospels. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And so it's just like, there is a, there is a, 
a prison or a, a, mm. a pen that Jesus sees the people of Israel in mm. because of of the Pharisees. They are hemmed in mm. by the Pharisees' religion, their legalism, whatever you want to call that, um, that's ultimately covenant-breaking, ironically. Right. Um, and like the Pharisees are like the new mm. Sennacherib, hemming them inside the walls of Jerusalem, mm. and they can't get out. Yeah. And Jesus says, I will lead you out. Yeah. And he does that by having a different way yeah. than the Pharisees, a way of a way that doesn't operate in the way they expect, where yeah. they want to blame a blind person for being blind. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm also thinking about the way that we've set up like Assyria, like the crimes within Israel and then Assyria being used to judge the crimes within Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And how we have Rome being used to judge the crimes of the Pharisees in the yeah. way that they instituted the temple. Right. Jesus here calls the Pharisees wolves. Right. And the leaders of Israel in uh, Micah's time were wolves. Yeah. They were taking advantage of their flock. Right. They were supposed to be the leaders. They were supposed to uphold the Torah. They were supposed to ease the burdens of their people, but instead they made it worse. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees are still the Israelite wolves that Micah is mm -hmm. in the Roman oppression still coming like do you see what i'm trying to like, well, yeah, like it's like we don't have to make the pharisees the assyrians oh no right they, they stay they stay the, the rulers of israel they stay the rulers of israel and that allows the the yeah and then rome comes in and destroys their temple right just like the assyrians and babylonians right did. yeah that makes sense and then it's to micah repeated right and then the same way that the death that the the, the leaders of israel brought to Jesus. Mm. Jesus breaks out of it the Roman occupation, the Roman blockade. Yeah. It was a Roman tomb. It was a Roman guards right. that were in front of it. Yeah. Like whatever okay. complicity yes. there is between Israel and Assyria yeah. is undone in Jesus. Right. So so here's I think the clearest way I, I could say it. Let's see if I can find it again. But it's like the what's the good news that Jesus is the good shepherd? Yes. It's that we in so many different ways we are we are hemmed in, right? whether that is to our own greed and sin, like the leaders of Israel, whether it's to false teaching and false prophets and we don't know which way is up, whether it's to death itself. Whether we are the innocent ones oppressed by That's the right. leaders. Yes. Uh, the good news of Jesus being the good shepherd is he will lead us out. Mm. When we hear his voice and we follow him, we are the remnant and there is mm -hmm. hope. The hint of hope is now fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. And no matter what pin we're in, no matter what, mm -hmm. what way we've been hemmed in and walled in, Jesus will lead us out mm -hmm. um, of anything, even Lazarus's tomb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, he's the good shepherd who we can listen to his voice and be led out of any place that we find ourselves trapped in. Hmm. Which is like good news. I mean, it's good it's news. It's like good news. It's like good news. It's, it's really good. It's news. very good news. So, okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's that a lot. But yeah, Micah is... Beefy. He is beefy. In comparison to the other prophets I've studied in this series, Micah is, is a beefy boy. Okay. Well, I'm excited for two more. Yeah. Next week, we'll be in chapters three, four, and five, okay. which is specifically more talk about Israel's leaders and the way that they've failed to uphold justice in Israel. Okay. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week for the next court case of Micah. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.